हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब जिन वॉन इज अ वन ऑफ अ काइंड तबला प्लेयर एंड कथक डांसर ऑफ साउथ कोरियन ओरिजिन she spent over 15 years in india training in indian classical percussion and dance under pandit divyang vakil and shrimati shobha desai respectively she is also the artistic director of pradhanika dance and music company she's been praised by the new york times as an exuberant dancer whose musicality transforms her dancing into something primal jindi how are you Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So yeah. So I got the idea of interviewing you based on I think when I when I told when I told my one of my guru Sanvi that I should do a Kathak podcast. You are the one of the first names he took. So mm-hmm. that was like a few months ago. And then uh, when I had Mathli on the podcast, she mentioned that she met met Pandit Ji when she was actually going a show for you. So then. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's it's just time that yeah. I'm very excited for doing this. Connect one. all connected indirectly. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. It's a small world out there, especially the US Kathak. But uh, <laughs> so just to start off with, Jindi, uh, uh, so can you tell? Uh, I guess since you are a tabla player as well and a Kathak dancer, can you tell us how these two elements kind of interplay into each other in your practice? Mm. Well, as you know, because you are a practitioner of kathak as well so, um kathak in all these compositions are basically we are dancing on rhythm and sound so uh to know tabla is definitely helps to understanding and they make you more free and then you can improvise a lot of things because kathak actually has a lot of in, in, uh, improvisational elements um <clears throat> So that's really helpful, and at the same time, because of percussion, tabla is a music. Of course, dance I consider as a music as well. But then we work a lot of on intensely. I work on sound, and I think the understanding of sound, how you express the sound, is either is on tabla or dance. Once you use the language of dance, so you use your body to give the uh, expression of the sound, and then the the shape and structure of the rhythm and then tabla also we are we are doing through the sound of the tabla so in a way i see is very similar only we are using different language and also i think for dance for me uh, tabla helped me a lot into understanding of course uh, be comfortable with the layer and different styles and also see dance in a little bit i guess to me it opened my eyes to see no many different angles in dance and at the same time for me in tabla when i see i cannot just um i see visualize some dance dance element so when composition moves around i feel like how i move my dance body so i think i get more like excited in <laughs> playing <laughs> so my body moves together i can't sit steady in playing <laughs> so Well, it's a very two very different um language. I mean, you use different vocabulary you are using, but we are trying to express the same thing in a way. So, um 
it's tough to do both <laughs> because mm -hmm. both art requires a lot of practice as right. all other arts and mm -hmm. so but yeah so i think that's how for me is it works in the both ways awesome so i guess that brings me to my next question uh so since you mentioned that your Katha culture tabla and your tabla health Katha, and there's some commonality. But mm -hmm. since these are two, and as you touched upon it, these are two art forms that require intense practice to get mm -hmm. good at both. Mm -hmm. So, on a day to day basis, how do you balance out your Riyas practice between Katha and tabla to make sure you're making progress in both? Yeah, that's very tough. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, someday when you are in good mood, when you're in good shape, you know, you're in the right state of mind, you feel like, okay, everything going well. But when you're not, then you feel sometimes that like, I'm not doing justice to neither of them, you know. Mm. So when I practice dance, then sometimes like, oh, I could practice double at this hour, you know, because I see I have other colleagues who practice, then I'm right. doing dance. So my double up practice is... Um, I'm not able to do more because especially when I have a show, mm -hmm. then it's not one day preparation. It's like weeks and weeks of preparation you have to do, especially when you create your own piece. Right. Then your whole mind goes into that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whether when you're eating, when you're eating, when you're doing anything, your mind goes into that zone. So very difficult to focus the otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's for me. Some people can manage very well, but it's, it's very hard for me to manage both. So, okay. and then when I have a tabula show, then my whole <laughs> focus goes on tabula. So mm -hmm. I'm still struggling, honestly speaking, to find the balance. Okay. Yeah, I feel okay. like when I have a this, then the other goes down, and then mm -hmm. the other one I goes down. So, okay. yeah, it's a constant struggle of my life. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and just a, another question on this. Uh, in this sense, because um, like a lot of Kathak players would be interested in tabla, and since you're in a very unique position to answer this, and then we'll touch mm -hmm. upon some other things. Uh, for general practice, have you found some efficient way to put together tabla and Kathak in a way that you can do both? Maybe not optimally for both, but in a way you're kind of doing both in the same session. Is that even possible or in your uh practice? I mean, if you're working on uh, playing around with the layer and composition, like mm -hmm. improvisation thing. Right. And that it can go either you do it with dance or with the tabla, it's the same thing. You are talking about rhythm. So rhythm for dance and tabla is the same. So in that sense, it's for mental practice. So for example, right. I practice uh, katak and I do some tatkar and playing around different things and then mm -hmm. uh, in trying to improvise uh, with the... Uh, in a line, in ta, then that works in tabla as well, for example. So right. I can apply same um, method or same thing into tabla. At the same time, same way, vice versa. If I'm working on something on tabla, I can use exactly the same thing I can use on dance. Only thing is I have to make it fluently should come out, translate it properly. And only two uh, art form has a different, um, you require different nikas in certain things. Nikas means a technique, just right. for your information. I don't know. So, so to right. find, if you find the correct Nikas, and then yeah. that's all I think you can do at the same time. It's more like mm -hmm. a mental work. Got it. So it works on both ways, yeah. But not physically, no. Unless you play tabla into tatkar at the same time. <laughs> mm. 
Okay. Just sending playing tabla and doing tatkara, which I'm interested to explore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, because I know that they do that in like in Chitra when the Chitra is company when they do Kathak yoga, they kind of explore those elements a little bit. So, oh, okay. Yeah, really mm-hmm. interesting that way. But yeah, since you mentioned Nikas, uh, I, on my third episode, uh, Doctor Pallavi Chakraborty actually explained to me live what Agat Nikas is. So mm-hmm. yes, so that does come up from time to time, like terms mm-hmm. I learned. So, I mean, I'm I'm teaching students here, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a indian word but many of my students not familiar with that so i just mentioned oh yeah okay. <laughs> uh, of for course other I... listeners yeah yes i know <laughs> the thing is that when you mentioned nikas i had kind of forgotten for a second also because mm-hmm. i don't do it in my daily practice it's just like terms i'm supposed to know mm-hmm. and that way so yeah it's always good to know and that's fun and so since we, since we mentioned the interplay of dance and rhythm in your practice Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us from a larger context how it affects your life per se? Oh well, isn't that about uh, the rhythm mm-hmm. or or tar or anything? But to do this practice as a, I consider myself as a practitioner of dance and tabla. So you know when you, I mean, when I start learning this, it's a very different. Um, language from where my background is from i'm korean so when i moved to india for example you have to learn a lot of custom over there but ultimately where is human being so it's just there's all similarities there but because of certain custom you know you have to learn the certain custom and the language is very different but the philosophy what is behind is very similar that was very interesting parts um but because of this language, expression, expression is different. So, for example, in dance, there are certain uh, expressions which I'm not used to. And then Indian dance, you have to a little bit more um, express more strong. Right. You know, in, in a way, I can mm-hmm. say maybe exaggerate way a little bit. Right. Compared to our daily routine. And then certain very feminine things. I'm not used to that kind of expression and using my face and body. So I was feeling very, when I watch, I felt very weird and awkward in the first place. But mm. then being a dancer, I have to adopt it. And it's not just faking it. You have to really be like that. But it doesn't mean I didn't have that element in me. But I'm not just used to use it. Because everyone has all the elements, I believe. Only thing is, which one you're more comfortable and you are more used to. But if you really, really think inside, you can bring it out. But it takes time to bring it out. <laughs> this is my uh, way of looking at. It. So okay. I had to really open up myself and then adopt mm-hmm. that uh, inner feeling of that very feminine elements. So I, so I think that made my personality a little bit of a molded in a way. I'm not feel very uncomfortable. So I think it's affecting indirect, uh, affecting me in as a general, as a person, me as a me, <laughs> not as a person stage, you know? And mm. at the same time, <clears throat> this uh, through this music, uh, especially for me, because I'm playing tabla, uh, it's a lot of things, it's a very challenging instrument. And especially for me, dance, uh, tabla, I will, uh, somehow dance came to me more, easier than tabla i can say so a lot of struggle with tabla and it's a very complicated instrument i can say it's one of the most sophisticated drumming that's what i i feel and so you know you make you very humble you know 
you see all these masters, like legends, who who in the our ancestry of tabla, when you see them, who am I? I'm nothing. <laughs> so mm. even in dance, of course, there are legends. So okay. I'm still struggling to go there. Um, I hope I will never give up. I will keep trying to uh, go there and my journey will never end until my last breath. <laughs> That's my dream. But in that process, I think it makes me very humble. That's one thing. And second thing is start having, because of my Guruji, Pandit Divyang Bhakti, who I'm learning um, over now with him over the last 20 years and learning okay. Tabla at the same time, learning about Tal Vidya because of Tabla and how to hmm. understand deeper level. So a lot to learn. Yeah. But uh, he kind of... Uh, could show me the the philosophical elements of this art. So that really affects my life and my way of looking at life and uh, try way of looking at things in a way, like how to what to see, how to take that. So I think that's affected a lot this music and it made me more mature. And I think I'm getting mature with the music. It's not about how fancy you can play, how fascinatingly, how great you are like in terms of as a player or as a performer. There's something uh, a little beyond that. So, yeah, so that was what actually what attracted me the most. Okay. Philosophical elements of this music. And then I really start having the respect which comes within because I know what they've done in the the ancestry of this music, what they have done in the past, because of their that work and thoughts and all dedication, what they put, this music is still alive and what it is today is because of that. And Guruji says always that the music is gone, 50% of Indian music has disappeared already. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. wow. you know, <clears throat> many factors why that happened, but whatever we have, it still feels so rich. But can you imagine what it could have been? What yeah. I mean, if fifty percent is gone, then still we feel a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know fifty percent was gone, so that just feels sad. But yeah, I'm I'm great. Oh, that's what he says. It means like his music is really that changed and um, gone mm. because you know India they used to give it to Guru Shisha Paramparam way. So if mm. the Guru doesn't teach, then it goes with the Guru. Right. And it's yeah. not about only Guru's choice. Also, they have to find the perfect students that they can give it to. Right. And finding right. that student is also really hard. Finding guru is also really hard, but finding mm. perfect student is even more hard. This okay. is what Guruji told me when I met him first time. And then I didn't okay. really understood that time. But now okay. I understand what he meant. I think really, really, he really, really, I really um, makes sense. I and I felt, I wow, that's really true. <laughs> Interesting, Jindi. There'll be probably yeah, some yeah. things I don't understand in this podcast right now. 20 years later, I'll come back and say, Jindi, I get it now. <laughs> well, but I will yeah. say what I love about your answer so far, Jindi, is that every answer has a Kathak aspect and a Tabla aspect, which makes perfect sense because you do both. And there's so many things to explore. I guess, and so, so when starting my exploration, the first thing you said that struck to me is uh, difficulties with, say, expression work, Abhine. And that's mm -hmm. a theme that comes up pretty frequently when Kathak is taught to people who are not of South Asian origin. So mm -hmm. like uh, Sarah, Sarah G mentions it in her book when mm -hmm. Pandit came down here and in the 70s and the mm -hmm. Indians 
appreciated much. And Abhinay was kind of hard to understand. Sharmila Sharmaji, when she went to Paris, uh, mm. she talked about like she would give examples of look at Krishna with uh, shyness. Mm-hmm. And for the French girls, they couldn't understand why they're looking at their boyfriend's shyness. So there were certain <laughs> things that she had like, to understand. So mm-hmm. could you give us an anecdote of like, say, an Abhinay Priest or expression that was difficult for you in the beginning? And oh yeah, I I can that. never forget that expression. Uh, mm-hmm. The first time when I saw, <clears throat> like uh, you know, this very famous uh, scene when you know Radha is walking with the matka and Krishna always cheese uh, right. Radha. So mm-hmm. Ra- uh, Krishna threw the stone and broke the matka. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so now how broke Maka broke and water on in the Maka your falls on the whole body and she feel like you know the falling of the water through your hair and face and body wet and then the expression of like I don't know what to put in a word but that whole expression that body language of that whole thing it was for mm-hmm. me was I realized so. Oh my God! Do I have to do that? <laughs> that was came in my mind first time. Right. Okay. Yeah. So now, see, understand the from mind is one thing, but to able to really adopt, uh, you embrace it and to execute it is the second, another. So for me, that was like hmm. with the whole face expression because they had to really exaggerate it like that. Not agony. Right? Right. I don't know how to put the expression of like. Right, emphasize, yeah, understand. Yeah, that was like, yeah, in Korea, also, some sense, you know, when you mm-hmm. uh, address your uh, uh, lover or your partner, mm-hmm. like, especially, right. men, you don't, we don't address it in them by the name traditionally. Mm-hmm. Like, India, you have to listen, listen, right? Mm-hmm. So, we have a very similar thing, and like, you like it, but you don't express, you like, you're shy, but still, you're curious. So these elements are similar that we had mm-hmm. traditionally, we do have that, right. But, those expressions are not there in our Korean dance. It's the Korean dance right. doesn't have that. But that I understand the sentiment. But this mm. exaggerated that kind of sensuous expression of body and face was, <laughs> for mm. me, was uh, uh, hard at first. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So, and like coming to the tabla part, uh, and this is something I want to understand. So when, because you said tabla is a hard instrument to play when it comes to the range of percussion instrument. So what is it about the tabla that makes it hard for someone to pick uh, up? First of all, you know, usually uh, when you play the percussion, <clears throat> you hit the drum with hand, you make sound, right? But then uh, tabla, the first sound of tabla is ta, which is equivalent to om for us. And hmm. if you think about sargam, it's a sa, saregama, so it's a bass note, it's the first sound. Now, right. we don't open, ta is not a, uh, the open style hitting hand, it's not open hand, it's a close hand. So you have to keep your ring finger on shahi and hit the kinar with the fingertip and make the full ringing sound of tang, like that. So that's very hard because you're filtering the drum and sound and okay. you're re- trying to bring out the, that open sound. So okay. to make that is very hard. At the same time, for some people it comes easy, but some people it takes very hard. But that is a difficult part. Another thing, now other instrument, you press it, there's a sound. But tabla, you have to make your own sound. Can tell so, me what, own, what do you mean by own sound? So for ta, there's no ready-made ta. You have to make it. Hmm. Like a keyboard, you play first shafet ache means a C, sa will come, 
means B, C, D, E, F, G. But tabla is nothing like that. So you have to create ta first. You learn how to make ta. And then you should be able to play every time same ta. And then you learn how to play tin, you know, which is on medan. So then you, you know, keep playing to make same tin every time. So they have a different vocabulary language and depends on which part of the tabla you hit. Hmm. So that you have to maintain in a composition without changing the notes or pitch. That's a very hard. If I'm talking about the ultimate <laughs> tabla we are looking for, but right, right, right. that is so. That is really hard. And then you have to okay. now this tabla is all going into very fast playing. So you have to maintain the speed. And another thing, the uniqueness of tabla usually percussion. When you think about percussion, percussion is very rhythm based. So right. the rhythm is very important. The beat is very important. Mm -hmm. But tabla, the most important is a sound. Nad is more important. Okay. And then ta comes after. Hmm. Rhythm comes okay. after. That's why it's unique. So uh, that is a concept of attainment of sound in tabla. I and see. not all, not only in tabla, actually, all Indian music, which we, in Korean music has the same concept, attainment of sound. You call it Sid. I think it's my pronunciation. I don't know if it's correct. Sid on uh, your your attain on realizing sound. So okay. in tabla, there used to be a people practice the attain of ta sound, the first sound. So ta is like when you go to temple, you ring the bell, then ding, and it rings, right? The resonance sound comes after you hit the bell. The ta is something like that. So um, there is a ta meditation also. So Guruji used to uh, tell me, so I used to do that mm -hmm. when I was, yeah. So that's so something amazing you can do. But then to do that, you have to have a very steady ta and steady hand. So and, what happens in this ta, ta meditation, if you don't mind sharing? Huh. <laughs> well, it's just, uh, you have to keep playing ta with a certain way of focusing. And you have to produce the same, trying to produce the same pitch. Like has, sometimes, you know, you go to meditation, you ring the bell and people meditate on bell sound. Okay. It's somewhere similar. You're basically meditating on sound. But okay, you are so producing yourself. Ta, you're producing and you're I'm focusing on the sound. Yeah. Okay, yeah. In a simple thing. Yeah, in a very brief way. All right. So something you, similar. So in like other in percussion instruments, if you hit it a certain way, you kind of guaranteed a sound. But tabla doesn't guarantee you the same sound. You have to be very Until consistent. you make it. Until you really practice and comes mm. every time. Of course, not every instrument. Certain, like a sarangi, you have to make hit the correct because guitar there's a bar flat right. so you have to press then you know where the c is where the d mm -hmm. you know a keyboard harmonium you press the sound sound will come but that there's nothing like that and there's no division you have to create you have to know where to put your ring finger and you have to know how much pressure you have to give and you should know how where to you hit on guitar and how much you have to stroke so these are all things if you go to very technical elements it's a very uh, very technical elements. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. and then that, I mean, if you keep practicing, it will come. I'm talking about as I know. Right. Uh, the, since you're the, asking me, I'm just going into the details. Yes. So, the, the, yeah. The, just what, I didn't want to go into the details. And those are the things I'm looking for as well. So I understand this is a, like a steep learning curve. Um, sorry, did I, I interrupt your train of thought? I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. No problem. Only thing is, um, see, these are the, the instruments you have to experience. <laughs> Then you will understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, better. And okay. I think all instruments are like that, I guess. Yeah. Yes. And since like you have experienced it a lot and 
so so now we understand why tabla is hard to pick up um and can you tell us like what are the what does tabla have in terms of benefits or qualities as a percussion instrument that it brings that makes it unique and that of it, it adds to a quality of a, of music that other percussion instruments maybe cannot yeah i think i already uh, mentioned briefly is about importance about sound mm-hmm. because percussion is means if you hear percussion is what comes in your mind for the beats giving uh, the beats right yeah, the rhythm but tabla is a rhythm instrument but rhythm is not first priority sound is first and rhythm comes after that's why this instrument is very unique okay yeah oh. that attainment of sound that concept is there and 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 a lot of a vocabulary hmm. complicated vocabulary the the language is so rich so it's a very versatile hmm. So some people says um tabla has uh the rhythm of tabla like embraces all the rhythm of the world. <laughs> I see. This I heard from some other musicians from different culture. So it's not mm-hmm. me who's saying this. So but yeah. that's what they felt. So they were telling me, wow, I feel like this has all the rhythm of the world is in this. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that brings me to my next question in the sense of uh, the evolution of the tabla cuz i'm kind of fam- i'm starting to get familiar with how kathak has been changing over the past 10 years 20 years or mm. how it changed when you played say in a diasporic context mm-hmm. but uh, in terms of like your experiences playing katha uh, no playing the tabla, tabla mm-hmm. uh, how has it changed over the years or how what has evolved or what has what is different now um i think you know all indian instrument traditionally even in katha mm-hmm. has been solo instruments right and right. maximum you have accompaniments mm-hmm. so as katak has become now more group choreography and they're explaining a lot and now especially my guruji was uh, very well known to ensembles of tabla so mm-hmm. it creates very dynamic powerful sound so th- that's getting uh more and more uh exploring the the harmonic part of the drum and then making ensembles presentation that's one thing and then the other one is like everybody going really really fast <laughs> in terms of playing and right. because of that the selection of compositions mm-hmm. are also based on those you know very fascinating attractive fancy and flashy uh compositions are played more i i, okay. I feel and mm-hmm. yeah i think that has been, i think that's all all of the world i think right now all the music mm-hmm. and dance also katak now people everybody right. is super fast so mm-hmm. i think this is so how the world is changing everybody looking for like fast mm-hmm. playing yeah it's not Actually. only about tabla but i felt that now there's like amazing like young people super fast hand but mm-hmm. um tabla has a very deep other types of compositions So I wish the audience also have the patience to hear and listen the sound of the instrument mm-hmm. in a different way not only the speed the okay. art and fascinating elements of course it is amazing and you need a lot of practice but right. that's not everything that's not the only thing and everything okay. about it there's more elements so okay yeah. so this is this is a really interesting topic then jindi uh, because what happened is uh, when i had a, when i had nigarji on the podcast she told me about the value of vilambitle and what happens mm. if you slow everything down in kathak mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you start to appreciate the movements a little bit the ang the movements of the, the rest the subtlety what the subtlety of the yes. dance yeah the subtlety of the dance so when you and i want to touch upon this a little bit so when you when you start appreciating not just the speed but the slower elements in tabla what are the things that can come to light in terms of tabla <laughs> well you're asking very deep hard question <laughs> um that i think uh i guess about sound how you bring mm-hmm. like the the production of sound like a sapan sapan pandit uh, sapan chaudhary or uh, he's a the senior one of the legendary uh player uh, mm-hmm. maestro and people said like he has like he's a dhiridhira is one of the board is very famous and is right. when you see it, like there's a you know it's like um you know old ripe deep fermented wine <laughs> okay. yeah, so deep complex sounds about uh, taste so that the mm-hmm. deep smooth the sound very composition mm-hmm. go very smooth and very uh i think it's about sound for me okay. is how production of a sound how you produce mm-hmm. it for example peshka like the sound how you move the sound and how you move the composition and how you express the composition and all these things and yeah i think so that's the what i that's what i like about uh of course i love like fasting as well sometimes right. not all the time <laughs> yes because there, there are interesting parallels because there are similar sent- like you mentioned similar sentiments in kathak as well like yeah very fast like, yeah i like fasting too but it doesn't yeah. mean that's not everything about that so right i guess that we all as uh, as a artist has to kind of find mm-hmm. the find in between i guess right? <laughs> right and so when it comes to appreciation and what i've noticed is like when you practice the classical art more when you practice kathak more you try you start to understand its subtleties more and understand what to look for but mm-hmm. when you're presenting to an audience yeah. and since they're not practicing themselves yeah uh, i guess what have you found works to help them you know to orient them to the things that you want to show them without them practicing the art themselves what has helped in your practice in my practice um well you because know? see see you you uh, yeah i understand um i usually because i dance live music only I don't really do recording music. So okay. I think that when I especially when I dance, I mm-hmm. communicate with audience. Hmm. So I talk to them because especially I'm outside of India. So majority right. people who I perform they are all non-Indian. So, so they don't mm-hmm. know. So right. I kind of talk to them like how I talk to friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. So make them feel comfortable <laughs> a little bit, I think. Right. But this is what I heard feedback from the audience. So I'm just saying that. Um mm-hmm. so trying to uh show them very simple uh compositions and explain them in a very simple language and mm-hmm. then after that i introduce them to a little bit complicated ones too okay. so i take them that kind of step and journey with me and speaking very simple and then go gradually go to a little complicated and explain to, not explain to show them this this is base but then it can be like that also so okay i think yeah 
that's my style of communicating in that sense. Yeah. Okay. So since we're talking about performances, that will be a good thing to discuss. Um, have you, uh, I'm just, I'm just curious. Have you ever in a single performance played the tabla and done Kathak like in separate, in the same no. performance? Not. No, no. I, I play for my students when right. they perform my play tabla for them, yeah. but that's not possible but uh, yeah i definitely want to explore many people are asking me why don't you try yeah. so yeah. yeah but i don't want to do just because of sake of me doing both i want to show everything no mm-hmm. but i have to if i find some good um reason to put together yes i love mm-hmm. to okay okay yeah. understood and since uh like performing artists are kind of defined by their performances and uh, in terms of like performances, what are they uh, that are memorable to you? Could you tell us which ones are memorable to you, and can you give us some anecdotes from the ones you've really enjoyed? Uh, my out of my performances. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, my first uh, preview of full out and a half show Pradhanika was like out and a half I do really dance almost alone. So with all live music. So that was um, very memorable event. And another thing is like I travel a lot within the country and I did, we do a lot of educational program as well, outreach program. So one point I was in residency for a week, uh, one uh, somewhere in Central America I mean, uh, middle middle America. <laughs> I think there's one uh, place, and there mm-hmm. uh, we had to go to different uh, schools and showing and lecture demonstrating katak and show them the performance and explain to them to give them the experience of different culture. So this place um, we went. Um, we had to drive cornfields. Nothing was around. One of the school we went in the morning. Okay. And after some point, you you don't even get the uh, cell phone signal. So oh. we were using cell phone for GPS oh. and we lost it. So we just oh. drove, drove, drove until we hit some small place. So there was one gas station and one uh, something. It's a very small town. So we went to the mm. school over there. So everybody knows everyone. <laughs> okay. And then people was, it was a so-called middle America. Um Mm-hmm. so sweet and then they are so curious and they're very open to understand so it was a very gr- good experience and then after the show the workshop and we were filling up the guests there's a only guest station we had and i was trying to take selfies i was trying to find the perfect angle holding my camera and there was another person who's uh, filled up his guest and he was leaving he's asking me Oh, are you looking for internet? <laughs> because you, they, he knows that you don't get signal regularly. Mm-hmm. So, oh, you guys did uh, this workshop at the school, right? And he knows us because he was oh. there, but everybody knows what's going on. And so he said, mm-hmm. if you want internet, you can come to my house. <laughs> oh, that that was so sweet. Yeah. And then I said, oh, no, thank you so much. But I'm trying to find, uh, trying to take selfie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was an um, interesting moment, but that experience beautiful, and the whole experience with yeah. the kids and everything was, uh, yeah, I can never forget that. One of, and you know, usually you don't go visit those places because you go usually yeah. touristic place. So that mm-hmm. was really, really um, an unforgettable uh, memory I have. Okay. Okay. Got it. And uh, since you touched upon Pradhanika, can you tell us a little bit about Pradhanika, how, how it came to be and the work you do there? Yeah, um, actually Pradhanika uh, was of name, came from one of my production I created um, many years ago. 
Um, this was collaboration with my guruji Pandit Divyang Bakil, and he composed a, a rhythm whole rhythm section for me. So the idea came from I was listening his one of his philosophy lecture. So and he said everything has a rhythm, you know, everything is rhythm. The whole world is rhythm, bass and rhythm means vibration, right? So so I asked is emotion is also rhythm. So each emotion has a different rhythm. So then I just start thinking, why can't I create something? Try to express uh, emotions with rhythm because in India you do no rust, and then the emotion they express with sometimes they with they have some lyrics or something like that, right? So I wanted to remove the lyrics and try to express that, <clears throat> um, explore basically through only the rhythm what is possible. So that was one of the uh, main uh, thing, but there were other elements also there. So that is a combination of different things. It's a very percussive, rhythmic, rhythm-based piece, and we use um, uh, multi-percussion. So it was jambe, tabla, and cajon. And then we had one uh, sitar, which some section to enhance the mood. So that's how we started with Pradhanika. The word Pradhanika means female leader that uh, uh, Guruji made it for me. So that's how this Pradhanika piece came. And then we've been working with that. And somehow I, now it's the time for me to create a dance company. Then we are looking for a name. And then everybody said, why don't you use Pradhanika? So, okay. So, so that's how the company name Pradhanika came. Okay, uh, that helps. And since we talked about Pradhanika and it us a little bit about the work you do with like say Talim school as well. Yes, uh, I work at the school. So I mean, I mean that's a, my company. But mm -hmm. you know, um, we here I live in a like uh, Gurukul style setup. So we live all together. It's like a small mini commune. I mean, okay, okay. So like an old ashram, Indian ashram style. <clears throat> in New York. In New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we live all together. When Guruji comes, he has his place and he comes here and stay with us. I mean, mm. so uh, so we all live together. We work together. So whatever I do is also part of Tallinn. <laughs> but uh, Pradhanika is my company. Mm -hmm. But um, I work with schools, events, and many other things too. Yeah. Okay, got it, got it. And I guess so. My next question is: Since you talked about uh, Pradhanika and you talked about productions, um, are there any like? So you talked about the first, uh, are there any other are there any are there any other productions with Pradhanika that you want to discuss that you were really proud of over the years? Um. Well, I've been uh, working on few other production which <clears throat> actually supposed to be uh, performed at the Lincoln Center atrium uh, this year right. in March but because yeah. of COVID mm -hmm. the day of the performance they postponed the show but uh, it started that piece started for one of film uh, closing a film festival closing act in Taiwan International Documentary Film Festival they reach out to me and they want me to create something a little bit contemporary not traditional so that's how it made a one piece which it called um lip of fate so it's a very contemporary piece so it has a different music and all that so that piece i 
made it the particular uh, festivals is uh, commissioned by the festival. So they had a specific requirements and the duration. So I made that. But then for the Lincoln Center, I expanded longer and I give a lot of different additional and change of thing. And I was collaborating with the different musicians as well. And that is one thing. And then recently, I um, there was a, a festival. Actually, it was last Wednesday. <laughs> um, the mm-hmm. dance and camera. So uh, it was um, the six dancers invited to present their work on camera because now COVID brought mm-hmm. us all into internet and the virtual concerts. So um, they asked, gave us a certain um, rules, certain things that we have to artistic direct direction they gave us to have what so it should it should be all black and white Hmm. so i create a piece uh based on a persian modern poem so usually in katak this because of sufi culture they use um in the old uh iranian poets people use a lot but this one is very modern um his name is Sohrab Saperi, is a poet uh, in Iran who passed away, of course, uh, many years ago. But <clears throat> I tried to make peace on his poem, inspired by his poem. And I work, cr- tried to play around the medium, which is the, the video, the camera. So I tried to experiment with a little bit of that. So that is another, the latest thing that I uh, worked on. Okay, and I guess Susan, when it comes to like picking performances to do, and I, you told me that, yeah, one thing you do is perform only to live music. What are some other boundaries you maintain for yourselves when when figuring out who to, who to perform for and what to perform for when it comes to these performances? Uh, can you be more sp- what kind of sure. boundary in a sense in the sense like some people have like i will not if it's like a five minute show i'm not going to do it like you said if it's recorded music you're not going to do it so when you pick ah. when you pick the organizers and when you pick the people you want to work with what are the things you're looking for okay no it's like i don't perform with the live uh recording music mm-hmm. because usually i do live music but it's not like i will i don't want to do recording music it's not like mm-hmm. that so that's not the case but uh, I prefer live music because that's one of my specialty with interacting with people and doing it live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy a lot too. Uh, my boundaries, yeah, somebody asked me if I can dance for seven minutes. Yeah, seven minutes for Indian dance. You just go mm-hmm. on stage, warm up, and you have to come down. <laughs> the same for tabla. So um, right. it's different from other dance forms. So like, if it's, somebody asks for that, then usually I don't perform. Like seven mm-hmm. minutes, I don't know what to perform. <laughs> basically so that's yes you, you mentioned since you mentioned it so yeah i think i will not do if somebody asks me for less than even 10 minutes i think i have never done a 10 minute show mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> so that's one thing and then ah, i don't know i i don't really have i think mm-hmm. I come, I come to know when I come across that unreasonable things. <laughs> but right now, nothing comes in my head, uh, top of my head. But for sure, for somebody else, for ten, uh, seven minutes, I say, mm. "Oh, sorry." <laughs> Got you. Got yeah. you. Understood. And since we're talking about live music and recorded, and so since um, the, I want to just touch upon, like, say, the relationship between, say, Kathak dancers and tabla players, and you know, when they go on stage and if they're accompanying artists. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, yeah. So, when it comes to say building those relationships, 
how have you gone about it like building relationships between kathak dancers and tabla players and since you are in a unique perspective having having a perspective from both kathak dancers and tabla mm-hmm. players Uh, how do you feel about the whole concept of like how credit should be shared and everyone should be uh, acknowledged for their accomplishments when it comes to a performance for kathak say well if it's a kathak show the main mm-hmm. performer is a kathak dancer mm-hmm. but then you cannot do alone without the musician so definitely you have to give the respect and appreciation to your musician mm-hmm. um but uh yeah and see you cannot do anything alone here it's all like a group work Only thing is now today who is on the main platform, who is supportive role, and who is not. So mm-hmm. I think if we are genuinely, you know, uh, respectful to each okay. other, then everybody knows their boundary when to, you know, support the other person. You to be a supportive mm-hmm. role. When to take your stage, you know. Okay. If you're a perform main performer and if you don't have that, then that's also not right, right? You have to capture the stage if you are the main person. Mm-hmm. And if you're accompanying on that stage, you cannot overpower the main performer, and you have to be you are there to support the person. So I think, and if you know where your positions are, where you are, and you know how to do that, I think that's fine. But I don't so far. I don't really have that um, experience. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I may have that kind of <laughs> weird experience in the future. But right mm-hmm. now, no. And Because you know my tabla player is my gurubai, so we are like a brother sister. We support each other, so that's mm-hmm. not there. And yeah, I never, I don't have, I didn't have any big uh, issue with uh, musicians. But I think one should know, should have a genuine um, courtesy and respect for each other. Then you know things will be fine. Okay. And one thing I just want to touch upon because I was just curious about, in the sense how Kathak has kind of had a parallel history almost when it comes since the seventies, say developing Kathak in the U.S. and they've kind of developed their own things here and there. Has Tabla also been developing in U.S. for a while? Are you aware of like what's been going on? Oh, I don't. Uh, I'm. I don't think I'm the right person to say about that because I don't know what happened in seventies. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I was just curious, like how the how has how has Tabla been evolving here in the U.S. Because what I'll tell you. But I heard from some of the some of the mm-hmm. friends, other you know, who's Indian mm-hmm. origin friends right. who were like who born and brought up here. They yeah. are saying like it was very hard to find a uh, Indian musician or a teacher mm-hmm. even, you know. Yes. So I don't know how things changed uh, okay. from seventies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. And one and I think one we we've talked we've touched upon a little bit of this, and so but just to elaborate on this a bit. So you I think in a previous conversation you mentioned. That you think of yourself like more, and correct me if I'm wrong. That more of a dancer and a little less of a tabla player, and you want to get to more fifty-fifty. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So tell us, like, on a daily basis, what do you do to like balance that? Uh, they, uh how will you? How do you feel? How do you feel you'll get to that point where you'll be fifty-fifty or? Maybe... I have to keep. I, I see. They see. I'm a human being. Sometimes I feel lazy too. So it's not like I'm. Constantly practice. Honestly speaking, um, yeah. I mean, I do mental practice, but not mm-hmm. like so. Um, as long as I don't be lazy <laughs> and kicking my butt to you know myself yeah. to keep practicing, 
more. And then, as I said, like when I have a dance thing comes up, then my whole mind goes there. So I cannot focus on anything else. Uh-huh. That I have to find some way how to bring that balance. So I can, you know, do this at the same time, I can continue to the other one as well. So that's how I have to learn to make balance, I think. Okay. Yeah. That's the and, toughest part for me. Yeah. Yes. And I guess wanted to touch upon your teaching practice a bit at this point. Mm-hmm. And so wanted to know like your teaching practice as both a Kathak dancer and a tabla player. Could you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about both? Um, well, I think teaching is or whether dance or tabla is a teacher is the same experience, but mm-hmm. only because it's two different mediums. Um, mm-hmm. So there are something certain huddles comes from the student is different, right? Right. But the relationship that you develop with students, I think, is all same. Only thing is, you know, tabla. I have more boys. Most of them are boys. Okay. Katak is all girls. I have only mm-hmm. female students. So there's a different dynamics in this. Okay. And I'm very uh, tough with boys. <laughs> 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 I'm talking about younger boys, not grown ups. Right. <laughs> um, with uh, girls, I have some soft corner, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I do have a female student, double up there right. too. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I try to. See, many of the students come here for a cultural experience because majority mm-hmm. of my students are Indian origin. So, yeah. you know, how many of them will continue or take seriously? I don't know. So, right. for me, what I'm trying to give them, besides this art in the art itself, mm-hmm. I'm trying to yeah. give them some uh, experience of certain discipline that mm. comes along with this art, which is required. Right. Um, and also because of being a non-Indian, what I mm-hmm. what attracted to me to this art and what I felt this is something of not something beyond my nationality or your nationality or your right. ethnicity. So I'm trying to share that experience and give them some idea of that mm-hmm. element to my students. So when you know, when they grow older, they have a more open broad spectrum in their mind and then um, perception in their mind. And also uh, through this. This art practicing requires a lot of self-discipline and self-control because now it requires a lot of practice. And literally, you like to play with friends, you like to play computer games, you have to watch movies, and you have to do so many things. But how to control that desires and make sure that you sit down for even for 10 minutes, but every day you sit down and do some practice. Okay. And why it is important, how it affects your music and how it affects your life by trying to doing that. Okay. So I try to give them, uh, I always tell them, if you cannot play good, I have no problem. You need to practice. But some kids have a super talented talent, but they don't take it seriously. They don't practice. So it doesn't shine. So I always say it's okay if you fa- And some kids, they scared of making mistakes so they you know don't like mm-hmm. to play kind of thing so i always tell them right. see making mistake is not a problem here you can mm-hmm. make mistake and i make mistake but have you tried your best yes have you really tried i'm not talking about playing best i'm trying to do best trying to mm-hmm. practice best have you tried your best you really really tried and then still doesn't come then i'm we are here to help you for that but first mm-hmm. you have to at least try to do trying your best. <laughs> so it's like 
try to try your best is the correct word that I'm telling them. No, it is. It is. Yeah. So if you do that, then I don't have to say anything. They experience it themselves. So they know what it is. Okay. So um, I have some students who couldn't even sit for a second study. Oh. You know? Constantly Tabla student boy. Okay. And well. you have to sit down, tabla dance, at least you're moving. Tabla, you have to sit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But he was eight years old or something. But then he like mm. father will come every class will complaining. He's a practice and this and that. So I always give him a lecture every class. <laughs> okay. And yeah. he couldn't even keep his hand steady for a minute. Like keep moving. Mm. So one right. day I was so what I was curious. Do you have mm. it, do you like anything? You know, because he doesn't oh. like to practice. Yeah, I like reading. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Then one day, um, he was waiting for his father. He told me, my father is late, so I have to wait for him. So it's no problem. So he brought a book to read. And oh. when he was reading, he's not moving. Interesting. So I come to know he has a potential. He has that, but he can't, mm-hmm. you know, so he likes that, this. So Right. So I, I would try to keep inspiring him, inspiring him. And one day, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, his father, one Saturday, his father texts me and saying, you know what, my son, something got into him. That mm-hmm. was like after many, 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 many years, or maybe after one year or something. He said, um, he, start, he said he's going to practice, and he started practicing one hour nonstop. And then he got wow. so into it, he enjoyed that feeling, and he said, oh, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to do another one hour. So he did in the afternoon another one hour. So he ended up doing two hours in one day, age of eight. Wow. Can you imagine? And by himself. So this I'm talking about. See, I don't see if he's playing good tabla or not good tabla, mm-hmm. but that he tried and he understood the, the fun and the joy of that. Mm-hmm. And did it by himself. But of course, I have to speak a lot of uh, lectures and, you know, fathers, mm-hmm. we did all that. Of course, okay. with the or mutual understanding and communication, mm-hmm. but this is what I really feel satisfied when I see that it's not they play amazing. Of course, mm-hmm. that's important, but okay. what I'm trying to share with them is also this part of this music. Okay, so he was still like uh, restless. He's a boy, and then your kids used to give him nickname Lightning Boy because he cannot walk. <laughs> he had to mm. run all the time like that. <laughs> but then when he sit on tabla, since then. His whole aura is different, very serious. But when he get up, yeah, again, he's like that. But at least, even for a few minutes, he sits. But mm-hmm. that his whole mood is different. Of course, he's a kid. So that's one day thing happened. And it also goes down and up. But then one day experience, I guarantee you, he will never forget. And it just impacts somewhere in his life. Okay. That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to uh, share and give that experience to uh, my students. That's really interesting. Like, cause yeah, cause yeah, in general, boys you don't like to sit around and they have a lot of energy to move around. So it's and it's, so that way, it's very fascinating that boys take more to tabla than to dance that way. But <laughs> on that note, um, Jindi, uh, do you have any students who, who take both kathak and tabla from you by any chance? Yeah. Okay. So I have a mother and daughter learning. Mm-hmm. I have quite a few family learning together, but the daughter is learning tabla and uh, dance. She's okay. very young. She just started. Uh, I think she's not even a year old, but she's doing both right now. Okay. So 
when you like when you teach her would you do you anticipate a lot of overlap into like say the compositions you teach for tabla and kathak Oh, right. right now no, because there are different. It's a different composition. Mm. Tabla, mm. which is like has a different types of a composition. Okay. Um, but I teach my tabla students katakbo, so I teach them how to play uh, tabla a katak mm. accompaniment. So right. when we do recital, I prepare my tabla student to accompany my katak students. Hmm. Okay. So that I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. when it comes to like from a kathak perspective so when it comes to like teaching kathak the kathak relevant parts of tabla that's only a tiny subset of the tabla repertoire is it uh, a accompanying kathak you mean no so uh, when you like teaching tabla is hmm. the kathak section of tabla like kathak bowls and pintal mm-hmm. and all that is it just a small section of like what you teach in tabla at no, large no it's not like uh, you teach uh, kathak because if you play tabla you can tabla balls you can play katak ball but then the language mm-hmm. ball is different katak ball mm-hmm. is different so how to play so first tat tat te ah tigda tigda te the tabla we don't have tat tat te tigda tigda te for example mm-hmm. so how to play nikas on tabla I okay see. nikas comes here so how to play uh that how to translate katak ball into tabla mm-hmm. basically yeah so if your hand is ready you can play pick up like that so mm-hmm. that's not a very difficult things to teach uh, but only thing you have to know the nikas of that application yeah i see okay. and on top of it some hands has a dance move so some tabla player plays tabla which goes with light music very well mm-hmm. some people has the mood of like dance so mm-hmm. so also the uh, the uh, application of your hand when you play dance is a little different you have to use more like open style khula style Ding, because dance is the effect is there. So that's why Lucknow and Banaras, they Lucknow mm. uh, tabla is a lot of influence on Kathak. Oh. They use yeah. So it, that's very it's an interesting uh, interchange of things. So the Kathak application is a little different when you play tabla. It has differently, and you have the mood, and then then you know. Dance has also the accent how you dancer wants. You know you should mm-hmm. have to translate it. And if you're a really really trained a good double player, Guruji says you can just see their feet and they should know how what the next move is. The next move is. Yeah, that's what Guruji says. The, the okay. maestro must have done that in the past. I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. So. So if, okay. if you learn general tabla vocabulary, you can learn mm-hmm. anything you need to know the uh, right. the ball and then how to translate into tabla. I yeah. see, and you're saying that when you play for different gharanas, you have to kind of adjust to that as well. Um, hand setting is the same, only the hmm. compositions are different. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Understood. Because ta is ta, any gharana you belong to. Because hmm. ta started from Delhi, because Delhi is the first mm-hmm. gharana. Right. So, the basic okay. hand setting is garana doesn't matter with that. Only the composition of mm-hmm. each garana plays different, and mm-hmm. that how they play is there. They might have their own nikas of producing that thing. I see. So okay. in a very basic level, you don't. There's no dif- really difference in uh, garana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And the like the whole sawal jawab aspect of mm-hmm. tabla and tabla. Yes. Um, yes. 
I guess one thing I'm curious about because I, I kind of know the Kathak side of it. So from the tabla side of it, when they're doing a composition and then the Kathak person responds, is there is there a certain sense of competitiveness in that, or is it all just like we're just giving a performance and in this together kind of vibe? What have you? Found? I guess it. I guess it depends. Mm-hmm. Like uh, some people, um, there's a set Savar Java, but sometimes really they just do mm-hmm. on the spot Savar Java. Mm-hmm. So when you do on the spot or Savar Java. They might uh, having fun each other competing also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a spontaneous thing that happened. So okay, it's a both way I think. It's a, yeah. So Jindi, I guess obvious question to you: Which one do you enjoy more? Being the in a sawal jawab session, do you enjoy playing the tabla more, or do you enjoy being the kathak dancer more? Well, see, my feet is much more free than my hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so because okay. I, I established first as a dancer and tabla, mm-hmm. I pick up late. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, of course, uh, doing uh, fit the tapping is more. Uh, I'm enjoying much more with that. Okay. Yeah. Understood. And one thing I want to touch upon is, um, so since uh, you could you tell us a little bit about when it comes to styles, mm-hmm. what would we say your style of dance is, and what is your style of tabla playing? Well, I my I I trained uh, like Lakna Garana Kata, but yes. I I now I've been uh, trying to kind of find my own uh, vocabulary mm-hmm. not yeah. about as a Katak dancer, but as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So that's why last two production I'm doing is somehow in between, and especially that the piece what I'm supposed to uh, uh, perform at the Lincoln Center is. I'm mm-hmm. literally going out of my uh, Katak elements. Of course, because I train in Katak, so Katak will be there somewhere, expression. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to explore a different way of uh, finding my own vocabulary, in a sense. So uh, this is right now what I am. And then, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. So my style, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot say what is my style. <laughs> um, but tabla, right now, I don't have any style. I yeah. I have to learn more. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a style in tabla. Maybe because Guruji is belong to Garana, uh, Delhi, yeah. Punjab, Ajrata Garana, the mm-hmm. three Garanas. But right now, I think I'm playing more of a um, mixture of Garanas. Now this Garana is the layer of the, what do you call it? The division of Garana is almost going down because everybody plays every yes. Garana thing. So, yes. Yeah, I don't have any particular study in something. Okay, understood, understood. And I guess just coming to my last question here, Cindy, mm-hmm. in the sense, so since you are in a position where you've been learning tabla and dance and you can perform both, so you, I guess you're in a very unique position to a, like learn everything and kind of give back to the community as well, which you are doing. So, and I know you're in the weeds right now, so it might, it's early, uh, the question might be early on, but when it's all said and done, what, what is the impact you want to leave on Kathak? What's the kind of legacy you want to have in both like Tabla and Kathak for yourself? Um, I don't know about uh, legacy per se, but um, mm-hmm. I want to have uh, people share with people and um uh, about this art form that where you're from is not important. Interesting. Um, like I want to create a, some kind of um, nuance and language where people 
who doesn't have this cultural background also feel uh, kind of approachable, accessible mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, um, and also I want definitely want people to uh, see if I want to, sh I can share that what is behind this all art form, especially what I learn about Indian art, is the philosophical elements, the spiritual elements of this mm. dance. It's nothing about God. Mm. It's nothing to do with the God or religion. Mm -hmm. So that element, and I think that goes beyond any art form, actually. But mm. because I learned that through this art, and I want people to have that, and that, that I believe it will shift their um, way of thinking and their approach towards art. And that makes uh, this art in general go deeper. And that definitely deeper art will make people more deeper and open. And I think that's how indirectly, you know, you can impact the society if you change each person's perspective and their depth, give them more depth. Then that individual will create the community and society. So I think that will impact the society. Okay. Yeah. Gee, that's so I don't have any particular legacy that I want to leave for the, just for the art as a form, mm -hmm. but art in a broad um, approach. Awesome. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah, thank you for sharing your vision for yourself and the future and what you want to do. And yeah, with that, I want to bring this episode to an end. Indeed, this was really interesting for me. Uh, Thanks very... for having me. It was, uh, uh, I had great fun talking to you. And usually I don't talk this much. <laughs> There's somebody asking questions like best details. So it was nice. And I mm -hmm. really enjoyed, appreciate it.